Welcome to Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. Brought to you by the writers from Get Off the Ice. Welcome to Get Off the Mic. I'm your host, Mac, and joining me today is most of the crew. We got Keith, Steve, and Paul. I don't have the energy to come up with something creative. Hi, guys. Great introduction today. They're getting better and better each week. I, I don't have the energy to, to respond to that introduction. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to say? No, I got nothing. <laughs> just that, just that piano song, maybe, or piano song. <laughs> All right. Uh, today is the last day of January. There's stuff going on in the NHL, and we'll talk about it. And we got some cool stuff planned for today. Hopefully, it isn't too complicated. I'm not positive it isn't. But let's start off with an opening question. Very hockey. Guys, do you believe in ghosts? Let's start with Paul, who's been acting like one. Mm, I'm going to say no, but like paranormal activity, kind of. Does that make sense? Can you believe in like one, not the other? I'm, so, I'm confused. He, I, like when weird shit happens. Like, do you, like, you can believe in. In the act of it, but not like, like I would never actually. Yeah, I would like never actually see a ghost. Interesting. So you believe ghosts are real, but you can't see them. Yeah, or like it's a forest maybe instead of a ghost. It's a forest? 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 How did you interpret a forest? forest? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Steve. Uh, no, 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 I do not believe in ghosts. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be wishy-washy like Paul. No, just just straight no. Getting all philosophical. Your name is Paul, not Phil. Hey, the true host. What do you think? Well, see, I do largely because of the reason of we don't know everything we don't know, right? Like even of things we think we understand. Like there's so much I don't understand about music. Even though Piano Man is the greatest song oh ever, I God. still don't know. So. <laughs> But yes, I do believe in ghosts. Oh. All right, cool. I don't, but that's just because I'm stubborn. Bunch of cowards. Let's just move on. I, no, it's because I'm an adult, Keith. I'm older than all of you. Yeah, and I don't believe in ghosts. So, who's old now? Well, well big news Keith. came out of Pittsburgh. Big Jim, uh, not Benning. Jim Rutherford is done, uh, appears by his own volition. He's stepping down, stepping away, whatever. Uh, and his second in command is some Swedish guy is up, but they're not giving him any time to do anything because they're going to go find someone else. Before we talk about uh, who they might bring in to replace Jim Rutherford, Keith, what is Rutherford's legacy? Because it, it feels complicated. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to describe it. It just is complicated. Like, you can't definitively say he set this team up for success. Like, yeah, he put the team together in part, but, like, he had some slam dunks with his draft picks. You're not going to pass up on Crosby or Malkin. But then, like, some of those contracts down the road, it also kind of hindered them for the future. So it's really hard to say what his legacy will be with this team. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, he came in, he got Crosby and Malkin, and, you know, it's nice and easy. And he picks up the back-to-back cups, but now it feels like he's 
only been making the wrong moves. Paul, are you getting something of a similar temperature? Yeah, but in the end, looking back at it, nobody's going to remember or care about the last couple moves he made. Like, realistically, how is that going to change the fact that he won two cups? It won't. You're underestimating the power of Cody CC. With that, the only thing that I really have to say on, on, on this is uh, from a tweet that I saw about Jim Rutherford leaving. And it, all, all we know is that he's left for personal reasons. So whatever those are, I hope everything's fine. Um, the tweet was Jim Rutherford really went and got Mike Matheson and Cody CC and dipped. And I think just, I just think that's great. The ultimate troll job. Well, now they're staring down the barrel without a GM and with a team that's not confident to be Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, the last time they were in a position such as this where they needed a GM and they were kind of like a middling, definite playoff team, but they needed a push. Uh, They went ahead and got Jim Rutherford and won back-to-back Stanley Cups. So who's going to Jim Rutherford this thing up? Is it going to be longtime Mario Lemieux, Mario Lemieux friend Pierre Maguire? Please, I hope so. <laughs> really, I want too. it. I need it. Just having Pierre Maguire as a GM in this league would be just the best thing that could happen this year. Second best thing that could happen this year. It would also feel very on brand. Now, yeah. I might be far fetched, but may I interest you in one? Very apologetic. Now back in the spotlight, Mike Babcock for general manager. Is that even something he would want to do? It seems like from that Elliot Freeman piece that he wanted to go back to coaching rather than a front office role. But I think you're right. I can't see him being accepted soon enough to be put into this role. I think they're looking for something faster, and I don't think the league is ready to except Babcock yet not as uh open arms as NBC did basically yeah well does anyone uh I I hear the front runner is Chris Drury I was going to say a former player (laughs) nondescript or were you going to actually say a specific (laughs) one no I was just going to say you know what it's time for the former players to step in after the success of Iserman and Sackick it's just bound to happen I was going to say... <laughs> I I feel like it should... Wow. wow. Go ahead, Mac. I was like mid-sentence. I was talking before you started talking. No, you Ooh, weren't, Steve. Not even... I was delayed. I was like 30 seconds into my statement. I hate you. You you weren't talking for 30 seconds. I'm, I must be delayed. Oh, my I, goodness gracious. Well, now I forgot what I was going to say. So you, you please go. I forgot what I was going to say. Wow, this sucks. <laughs> can we can we restart from the top? No. <laughs> um, all right. Well, yeah, it's probably going to be a former player. I love that point, Keith. Uh, I hated the rest of it. So let's just let's, let's just move on. Um, Vancouver's really bad. They're not as bad anymore, but they're still pretty bad. Um, and people are calling for Jim Benning or Bim Jenning to get uh, cut. Um, Paul, specifically to you, just because uh, you helped me with this. It only makes me think about the uh, article we posted during the offseason, the potato picks, where basically Ah. uh, I took the next pick, the next player after whatever Jim Benning selected in an NHL draft. um, And my team was like 100 times better. Like it wasn't particularly close. 
And it's also weird because Jim Benning's only strength in the eyes of most people is that he's good at drafting, right? Yeah. Like, besides that, what does he really bring to the table? Not a whole lot. He's been making, honestly, like, very much like Rutherford. He just makes these very odd signings. He doesn't really – when was the last time Vancouver actually made a trade? Uh, JT Miller, even, actually. Okay. Or one of uh, Nate Schmidt from Vegas. Oh, my God. I forgot Nate Schmidt was even on the team. Yeah, way to get dunked on, Paul. That's fine. <laughs> but, no, you, you make good points. Like, I, he hasn't really – done too much right especially with no. you look at Pedersen and Hughes most notably because those those are undoubtedly his biggest moves right they both Steel kind drafts. of they, they they were steals but they fell to him right it's not like he went out of his way to pick them up they were projected to go higher than he picked them at I don't like I I'm gonna take your word on it I don't really know the scouting reports on those two players but I guess it's just good for Vancouver that he wasn't going to make the same mistake as every other GM did then. So, I mean, that's, I guess, some sort of positive thing. Yeah, not credit, a lot. where credit is due, not being the dumbest one in the room. <laughs> yeah. But still, yeah, there isn't any – it didn't feel like any draft mastermindedness uh, was really going on there. Keith, do, do you see – with how Vancouver's playing and how their traject how their trajectory is looking like, that he's gonna last there much longer. I personally just as a whole don't think it's a great idea to fire your GM midseason. A lot of the GM's job is done in the offseason. So if you're gonna let a new guy in, it's best to do it when he has more control of the roster. So I could see him lasting longer, but maybe not after this year, or maybe not when it becomes time to start ramping up scouting and start ramping up all of your off-season preparation. Is he more of than a dead man walking? I would say so, unless he plans to go, all right, we're going to strip this thing down. But like, who are the veterans that they're going to trade? Like, who are the pieces he sells off in a rebuild? Because Hughes, Pedersen, Demko, they're not going anywhere. There's, there's not are... a whole lot you can do because all those players you would normally sell are the guys that are making, like, $4 bucks. Nobody can afford that, especially in, you know, COVID era. Nobody's going to take Louis Erickson at whatever he's making. Six-something. Yeah. What about Jay Beagle? He's got a... Dog I forgot he was even in the league. Wow. <laughs> That's Stanley Cup champion Beagle to you, Steve. <laughs> but no, Vancouver sucks. And uh, well, they're they're beaten up on Ottawa, which helps them in the standings. But beyond that, let's talk about Ottawa, actually, since we're here. Oh, goody. How you how you feel it? How you doing over there, buddy? I am actually not mad at it. Like in my view, all the players that are currently sinking this team, which in large part is the defense, they're the ones who are going to be gone after this year. And if they're just helping get another lottery pick, that's what they're doing here. I love that point of view. It's the correct one, too. I suppose I was just more shocked at how bad how- they are, just how good they played in the very first game, right? 
that's the thing that's bewildering to me because on that opening night they look like oh they're gonna throw a wrench into this north division but since then it's just been like oh the defense can't play okay good all right like i was looking at the defensive lineup and i was struggling to see how many of these guys make a another roster in the league and how many of them if they're making that roster how many of them are going to be top four how many of them are going to be like oh yeah he's our injury replacement like it's just not a good decor at the moment like if you had to pick defensemen from ottawa to have like in a top six just any generic top six you pick one right there's not any more than one that you want there's a couple maybe and just so we're clear the one is shabbat but yeah i I suppose i just thought they would be a little more competitive but Quite frankly, it's not going to matter at all that much since you guys are looking pretty hard at the first overall pick. I think the only uh, downside is is all of these veterans are just tanking their own value for the trade deadline. Like at this point, no one's going to want to pick up Stepan. No one's going to want Good Branson. Like you're not going to be able to sell them off for a pick worthwhile. And I think that's the only uh, downside here right now. It's just that like we can't have another sort of pick haul yep yep i agree with that um and uh keith i think it's time that you and i step aside we have a a a pre-planned uh we'll call it discussion i suppose but i'm not sure if it'll stay a discussion between uh paul and steve um paul why why don't you take it away well there has been an issue in the league, which is not surprising, but this one's very glaring. The refereeing in the NHL is atrocious. It's just awful. Just god awful. I don't understand what happens on a nightly basis. I don't know what constitutes a penalty anymore. When I'm watching a game, I have no idea what's going on half the time because I don't know if the players are allowed to do something. Like so I have I have a few examples pulled up from multiple different teams, but like I'm yes. primarily a Leafs fan, so I'm just primarily like, or only I'm I'm only a Leafs <laughs> fan, uh, but I'm just looking at just the last two games against Edmonton, and just how different they were officiated. Like the first game had seven penalties against the Leafs, and I think three or four against the Oilers. And then the second game had like four penalties total. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and like the first game, like everything was a penalty. Like um, you could, you couldn't put your stick up near the other person's stick if you were behind them because that would be called a penalty. And then the second game, you can literally spin somebody around as you're falling down when they have the puck, and it doesn't get called. So there's just it's ridiculous. There's no consistency. Like, if you're going to call soft penalties all year long, call soft penalties all year long. If you're going to call not much all year long, call not much all year long. Just make it consistent. I agree with Steve in that refing is definitely more of an art than a science. Like, you got to have some leeway for the refs to let the players know what margins they're playing in within the rule book. But when you watch some of these games, it's just – it's unfathomable to think – hey, that was not a call, or hey, what is this interference call here? There isn't anything to call. It's just so boggling that the league is letting this happen, I guess. But also on the same hand, how do you fix it? 
you just tell the refs to be better? Now, tell them to call the rules. Yeah, yeah they the rule book. Like, use it. Like, the there's, obvious, is... there's obviously some leeway because it's like people that are doing it. Like, you're not going to be able to catch everything. You only have two eyes. But it's it's stuff like um, in New Jersey where Andreas Janssen was called for interference for Taylor Hall basically jumping on his back to get past him. Like, nobody fell over, nothing. He was just, like, on him to get past him. Like, there was nothing there. Now, there are certainly noticeable mistakes happening and egregious ones. But I don't know if just saying call the game, call the rules is doing anything because that's similar to how do you make a hockey player better? Well, tell him to skate faster. Tell him to shoot tell harder. Him to shoot harder. There's, no, there's ways you can fix it. No, I know. It's, so how... It's call how, the rules because they're obviously not calling the rules. Like you have all these things happening right in front of the refs, right like two weeks ago, I think there was a missed call and then the player looked at the ref right after and he just shrugged. So the, the best example, and he just shrugged. Whoops. The best, one of the best examples I've seen so far this week. And so we'll get away from Toronto because it might seem like we're being biased, but there was also calls that were on Edmonton that game that weren't yeah. really penalties. Like there were just makeup calls here and there. But when Vancouver and Ottawa were playing, there's a clip. NHL <laughs> tweeted this. This is the best part. They tweeted this out saying, what a good play by the Canucks. So obviously you won't be able to see it. So I don't know who it was. Keith, do you know who it was that was skating up? I want to say Besser, but I'm not sure. Or on Number five. Ottawa, on Ottawa? Yeah, I think so, it's so, someone on Ottawa was skating down the wing, trying to get past the Vancouver guy, and a JT Miller was there. He literally hooks him, spins him around, gets the puck, for a three-on-one or whatever it was, and scores. And they're, like, thinking about this Canucks combination. Bro, it happened because there was a blatant missed call. And you want to talk about not influencing the game or affecting the game, let them play? You are affecting the game in the wrong way. Like, break for Ottawa, not Vancouver. Letting the players play is fine. Letting the players play is fine. But if you're going to say that you don't want to affect the game, if you don't want to change the outcome by giving the team a call, you are changing the outcome because you're allowing one team to break the rules, the rules of the game. And without the rules, it's not a game. It's just a free-for-all. So what would you guys feel with more refs out on the ice? Let's call it one more referee per game. No, I don't think that's the issue. Because half the time they're staring right at the guy. Like, it's not, it's not really about missing calls. Like, you're going to miss calls. Like I said, nobody's perfect. Refs have a hard job. I know. It's tough. It's a fast-paced game, and you're going to miss stuff. But it's the ones that are just so blatantly obvious like, that they're staring at. So there just needs to be more consistency. That's all that I think most of us are asking for. Just yeah. consistency on a nightly basis. So I'm also – oh, sorry, continue. Well, I'll just say, like, one thing you could do is, like – I'm sure it's really not too difficult to like become a referee. Like in the NHL level, yeah, it probably is. But why not have like, like not a, not a school, but a certain program where you have everybody at once and you're just kind of going through the same thing, so everybody's more on the same page. I don't know how you'd go about it, but there's got to be ways to fix this. It's ridiculous. I think there needs to be some kind of accountability, and obviously, like yeah. you can't just have like the players. Um, going after every ref because that's 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 not going to end well. But there needs to be something because now there's nothing. 
you talk about a ref in a negative way, you get fined. Like you need something there to be able to hold the refs accountable because otherwise they're just going to do whatever they want, which is what's happening. Don't they like release statements on like missed calls sometimes? That's the last two minute report. And all it is is like, yeah, that technically was a foul, but it changes nothing in terms of the game. And also that's the problem. How much are we willing to write this off to like, Hey, the refs didn't get a preseason. They're going through the same like weird year. No, everybody no. else. They're <laughs> no. all mixing and matching like the normal referee and crews they have due to COVID regulations. Like they're not traveling with their normal crew. It's all based geographically where they actually live. Like, are we, is there no possibility that they're still getting their legs under them? And when they get into midseason form, this will be a lesser issue? It's crazy because a good thing that they could have done is have referees out on, um, like scrimmages with teams. Oh. They did. Oh. They they did in Vancouver. They did in Vancouver, but they weren't allowed in Toronto. But no, it was so- specifically against the rules. Um, I think I, I don't know how they would implement this, but some kind of review of pe- penalties that might help clear up like fake, like miss, like ghost penalties. Steve, do you mean in real? I don't time? know how because you would. How did the offside review turn out? Everybody hates that now. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> The only problem, like, it's a good, in theory, it's a good concept, but it's just, you don't want to slow the game down more than it already is at times. I heard a couple people saying, like, why not have, like, one coach's challenge? But it's also, like, you're, again, you're, you're going to slow the game down. And also, like, just the nature of hockey, like, there's so less, so many fewer stops, or there are less stops than a basketball game and less chances for a coach to say, hey, I want to challenge what just happened there. Like, it would have to be sort of the same vein as the offside review, which again, everybody hates. It's like, Hey, that play that happened five minutes ago, that should have been a hooking pedal. Let's review it. Like that's not going to help anything. It would also, it wouldn't help missed calls, the calls where they just don't do anything. It would only help uh, like the ghost penalties. So there's still like, there's something needs to be done. And I'm, I'm not smart enough to know what it is. Um, (laughs) Me and you both buddy. Something needs to change. You can't just keep going like this because you're pissing off the fans. You're probably pissing off the players. Um, they're just not saying anything because they don't want to get fined. Okay. I, I, I've been sitting back and I've been hearing everything you guys have been talking about and I don't care. And so we're going to move on. No, I'm kidding. Um, so for starters, absolutely. There've been an issue. I want, I wanted to respond and say, Keith, I think there's absolutely some credence to the fact that they didn't really get a uh, preseason either and that they're, there's a whole whack of new restrictions that they've got to face as well, um, including whatever changes that that's had to undergo for, you know, all the refs. I think the biggest, obviously you guys described the biggest issue being the, the calls that aren't calls, but are getting called even more so than the missed calls. Right. And how that's affecting the game. And especially if you want to address it directly, I think one a way, and I'm just going to present this to you guys and you guys can either chew on it, spit it out, uh, stab me with it. I don't care. In the NFL, in the last two minutes of the game, any questionable play is just automatically reviewed. What if just penalties in the last five minutes of a game are reviewed? And within that review, you know, a lot of the time they'll just be normal. A lot of the, like, they're just going to obviously be a penalty. You'll take a 10 second look at the iPad and then be on with it. Um, if it's a little more questionable, then hopefully doing that is going to 
less directly change the game uh, via, you know, a, a terrible call. So back in this scenario, it's only reviewed the calls that are actually called, right? So yes, things no, that are just can't, like, missed. It's that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Like if they miss a call, that is less impacting the game than getting than calling something wrong, right? Because not sending someone to the power play can be or is less detrimental than incorrectly sending someone else to the power play. You know what I mean? That's fair. So it would only be on penalties called, which. And again, also kind of helps mitigate that offside review shenanigans where uh, you have to wait 20 years before you get to actually review it because uh, you'll have time right there. They just called the penalty, the play stopped. I don't hate it, but like the last five minutes are going to be pretty long. You're going to stretch it out, which I don't know. But like, don't they have referees like up above or like quote unquote up above? Like, don't they have refs that are watching the game somewhere else like why can't you have a guy in the sky who watches the game and if there's a missed call they just like buzz down to the refs that way it's quicker you don't have to review you already have someone looking for those plays because it's easier to do watching a screen than in real time i would assume because you see everything but this also goes back to the referees and art kind of thing and it's like does this sky ref have communication with the refs on the ice and he can sort of get the vibe of how they're calling the game that night. If it's going to be a tighter game, if they're letting them play a bit more. Like That's the thing. It shouldn't the same be like that. Them, Steve, come on now. If he isn't on Sorry. the same page as them, then how is it going to be sort of equal if he's just saying like, oh, that one's going to be a penalty, but the refs are kind of like, well, we were letting that go earlier. We can't just like call it now. Or, But you wouldn't just, have that because if the ref's up in the sky – they wouldn't be letting it go because they would be calling it right away. So and that just goes back, back to the point that refs shouldn't be deciding how a game is played. They're there to enforce the rules and drop the puck. So I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if I agree. Like there's all like, there isn't a right or wrong here, but I think I lean more on the Keith side in a similar way. And again, most notably to baseball, uh, it changes depending on who the ump is, the strike zone. Uh, and players have to work around that. And obviously, the, there has been a lot of problems with the umps in the MLB. But all the same thing that I think you guys actually want, as opposed to something a little bit more, is just for the ref to be able to call what they call a penalty. So if even just touching someone's hands uh, when they have the puck is slashing, then call it on everyone. Make sure they know that for that game, you cannot touch someone else's hands when they have the puck. That's... Pretty that, much what it yeah. boils down to is just consistency. Even in a game at this point, I'll just take consistency in a single game, not even every night, just one game. So there's one other thing that that might uh, that might also help. And it's just based on uh, a quote from Sheldon Keefe, where he said that he's had refs come up to him and say, that was a mistake. And like, that wasn't a, a that, that shouldn't have been a call. Let them take back the call. Before it goes, if they if they realize they made a mistake, let them take back the call. Oh, I don't know. But that also gets into, is that one ref going over to an angry coach being like, yeah, sorry, the other guy missed it. Like, No, no. Like that's that's something that would have to be decided among the refs themselves. Like they would have to discuss that, but let them take back the call if it's not a penalty. Because otherwise it's just a ghost call. Yeah, you're saying, so you're saying no review, just... Discuss among the rest. Yeah. 
See, I, like, the issue I can see presented there is seeing that or seeing less that the refs are influencing the game and more the refs are being influenced to change the outcome of the game by, per se, you know, players getting really upset or coaches getting really upset. I think something that is good is that even if they miss a call, I, it doesn't matter if the players moan and whine and complain to the refs. They made the call. I think that should stay the same. And I don't know if I told, if I think that's the best idea. If you're going to do that, like, God. don't like, if you miss a call, again, it happens. Like that's not the issue that we're really mad about. Cause it, you're going to miss calls. It happens. But then also don't make like do a makeup call right after. Because, oh, you know what? I missed that one, so I'm going to call this guy now. Like, if you miss it, fine. Just go keep refing the game as you were. Because if you do this makeup call, you know it's a makeup call and it's not actually a penalty, and that's where you set another bad precedent. It's a slippery slope. It is. That's the problem, right? And you're probably not going to be able to fix it. But it just seems like this, these couple of weeks have been worse than we've seen in the past. I don't know if that's just me. I think it's because we're Leaf fans. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, well, <laughs> probably part of it, but, you know. Yeah, we all have bias, but no, there is, there is a serious issue and something needs to be done about it. And it's not just the NHL ignoring it and saying everything's fine. And stop tweeting, NHL. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that advice, too. <laughs> no we love your tweets stop that no but it's just like come on really NHL you have a penalty in your video that you're applauding the result of like you could even just cut that part out just edit anyways that was a little that was, uh, that was quite the discussion I think some of the big takeaways are they need accountability I don't think there's any question about that whether that accountability is in-game or maybe just after the game, maybe the ref should be allowed to answer questions from the media in a non-belligerent fashion, I think would be helpful. I think I think if it's the media, it's going to be non-belligerent. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely, you definitely can't allow fans in there. Yeah, but like there are definitely some local reporters who would just be so upset that like, they're not necessarily having uh, a fan take on it, but like they are more invested in one team than another i i think that'd go downhill pretty quickly there's a lot to work on and i think ultimately we just hope it gets better but let's move on to some better news the nwhl hit thirty thousand views on or uh live watchers on twitch over the weekend incredible oh yeah yeah they're they're picking up steam very quickly uh, they are just finishing up their round robin, which surprisingly has seen the Boston Pride, the team that went 23-1 and last season, only pick up one win and are looking at elimination. It's very... Yeah, and um, didn't see um, the Riveters, they had to pull out. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunate. Yeah, the Metropolitan I think so, somebody pulled out, yeah. Yeah, they pulled out with uh, an outbreak of COVID in the dressing room. Luckily, it seems like it was contained just to them. Uh, well, luckily, relative to the the integrity of the tournament. The entirety of yes. Yeah, obviously, we hope mm. everyone yeah. is safe and healthy within, re- like, as best they can. Uh, but 
we just wanted to give them a shout out because the NWHL is proven to be pretty freaking awesome. Not that any of us ever really doubted that, but uh, and uh, hopefully we all get to catch. I don't know, I, like Paul, you mentioned that they're going to be on CBC uh, for the I, Tuesday I'm Wednesday starting, semis finals. I'm starting to think I might have been wrong. Yeah, I it, think it I, was only NBC. Which is so painfully stupid, but either way, uh, I will be watching on Twitch mostly because I'm unemployed on Tuesday and Wednesday. (laughs) Uh, So, also, if you have any time, might as well just check in with them, see what's going on. If you again, if you ever wanted to donate, you could, you know, gift a subscription or bits or actual just money, and the players get half of the revenue, and they're proving like they uh, they've definitely earned it at the very least. Yeah, and I think they play today as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's the Boston and Buffalo. That's at for the three, fourth seed. And Toronto, Connecticut plays at six, and Toronto's looking to win the, the fourth in a row. I think Not bad I, for an expansion team. I think if Toronto wins this game, they clinch first overall. I believe so. Which is very funny because, in very Toronto hockey fashion, they blew a 5 1 lead and lost that game uh, earlier on in the tournament. Yeah. And right, I want to add one more thing before yep. if we move on their jerseys are unreal like they're disgusting tro- i love toronto's but i just mean like all of them there's some great looking jerseys there i think, i love the black toronto six one. Oh yeah i'm getting a toronto one. six jersey with grant mentis on the back but the i was thinking the same the minnesota whitecaps jersey i think is the best one in the league there it's a nice yeah, jersey i really like is. the logo too and the connecticut one's nice but yeah yeah so check them out all right, and the last thing before we get to our segment, uh, upsetting news. Marco Rossi has returned to Austria. Uh, my Marco Rossi, I'd like to say, uh, because of complications with COVID that was admitted by the Minnesota Wilds. There's so many different layers to it. Uh, Keith, what's what's the first thing you kind of, what's the, the first, first takeaway? The first takeaway I had was that he was diagnosed back in November. This young incredibly athletic person for as far as we're aware just no health complications at all is still dealing with this virus months after being diagnosed like this is just it's proving how COVID needs to be taken seriously we can't write it off to like oh we're young we'll recover if we get it it's fine like you'll recover if you have a mild case and that's basically it if you have a severe case like things can get bad quickly it needs to be taken seriously yeah, it, I, I don't know if it's a surprise, but like I got a soft spot for Marco Rossi, especially. He was my draft boy this year. And it's honest, like it just feels terrible. You know, the fact that this genuinely is going to impact his career is it's the life. most devastating part of it. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know if it, if you have to have a severe case of COVID, but like just don't take the risk. Just like, especially in Ontario right now, there's a stay at home order. Just stay at home, be safe. You don't want this to happen to you. And we just wish the best for him. And with that, hopefully he gets a quick recovery and nothing lasts too long. But we will move on to our segment. Uh, The segment we are doing today, ladies and gentlemen, is GM for a day, Pittsburgh edition. So congratulations to all of you. In different alternate universes, you are all the new GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. How Steve got there in particular, I have no idea. What did I do to deserve this? 
I, I, I promise I have no idea. <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless, you guys found yourself there. Maybe there was like some suits thing and you wandered in because you were a drug dealer and you just impressed them with your knowledge of the Maple Leafs. Either way, how this is going to work, gentlemen, is I'm going to present you with two trades. And as the Pittsburgh general manager, for some reason, Mario Lemieux, your owner and boss, says that you have to accept one of these, no matter how good or bad they might be. Uh, so, yeah, individually in your respective universes, you may accept one of the two. Are we ready? Sounds like Absolutely it. not. All right, Paul, I'm going to throw to you first. Every, all three of you are going to get an opportunity with the two trades available. Paul, the first trade that I, or the first two trades I'd like you to make a decision on are you will be receiving Alex Newhook, Nazem Kadri, and a 2021 unprotected first round pick in exchange and going to Colorado, your Evgeny Malkin. That is your first option for this one. Mm. Your second option is you're also losing Evgeny Malkin, but you have to retain 50%. In exchange, you get Kotkaniemi, Victor Mete, a 2021 second, a 2022 second, and Paul Byron for cap reasons. Paul, where are you, what are you thinking first of all? I am thinking that I am losing one Evgeny Malkin. Yep, yeah, you don't have much of an option here. Uh, can, sorry, can you say the second one one more time? You're retaining I 50% think... of Malkin, but you get Kotkaniemi, Victor Mete, yeah. two second-round picks, and Paul Byron. And the nuance here is Montreal has less of an opportunity to be excellent as Colorado does. So that 2021 second-round pick for Montreal is, in reality, potentially not too far off from Colorado's 2021 first. So instead of me being me and having you repeat everything multiple times, I wrote it down for all of your sakes. You're I'm welcome. I'm so proud of you. I'm looking, <laughs> like, actually just looking at it, the Montreal one kind of sucks. So I'm going to take Colorado's deal. Keith, the I'm new ready. GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, the same trades are going to you. Those are, those are the same two. Those are the same two. Oh. Are yeah, you, I I hate to double down here, but I gotta go with the Colorado trade. I want Kadri, I want Newhook, I want the first. That's all it is, and I'm not retaining any salary here. Steve, yeah, like the unprotected first round pick um, is basically going to be the thirty uh, first overall pick. Um, so I'm, but I it's the better option. I'm going with Colorado. So why was Pittsburgh's or Mon why was Colorado's package so much better than Montreal's since you guys all picked the same one I think you're getting a better harder player now that's going to be a good a great second line center in Kadri um Kotkaniemi probably has a higher ceiling than Kadri but I'm just not sure about him as a whole and that just could be some leaf spies and is Alex Newhook's rise in recent months uh maybe a bit more of an or does that help the Colorado package uh, more than I should have probably anticipated, Keith? I think it really does. I think you're in the compared to the Montreal package, you're not getting the same level of prospect who is still that big unknown. And like Steve was saying, an unprotected first is just so valuable because the Sens didn't think they'd be getting the third overall pick when they traded Carlson, but anything can happen. Like. 
Colorado is far <laughs> from San Jose, and I don't think they're going to be a lottery team, but it could happen. Yeah, and it's still higher than the Montreal second. All right, Paul, we have our second uh, decision to be made here. The first one is you will be getting Colin Miller, Casey Middlestat, and Jack Quinn in exchange for Chris Letang to Buffalo at 50% retained because the only way I could get them to, to take them was at 50% retained. And your second option, I would like to direct you gentlemen away from my voice and instead to my voice. Aaron, what are your thoughts on this proposed trade? Okay. I'm scared. <laughs> to Edmonton. Okay. Chris Letang at 50% retained. Going back, Adam Larson, uh-huh. Evan Bouchard, uh-huh. and a 2021 unprotected first round pick. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, okay. I'm okay with losing Larson. You, everybody knows that. I could be persuaded to lose Bouchard, but like I'm not sold on that. I would rather give up a uh, Caleb Jones, something like that. Person personally, personally, the first is where you lose me because Edmonton is so unpredictable that that could end up being the first overall pick in 2022. If it was, if it had to be a first, I would say if it's top ten protected then it moves to 2023 that would that would make me happier or if it's a second and a third or something else where it's menial like you know what i mean so i love the larson can be convinced of bouchard but if it's bouchard i'm not giving up the first yep that was our friend aaron couldn't be here today he actually could we just didn't want him (laughs) so to recap for you guys it's uh, Chris Letang to Buffalo for Miller, Jack Quinn, and Casey Middlestat, or as Aaron did not like, it, uh, Chris Letang to Edmonton for Adam Larson, Evan Bouchard, and an unprotected first round pick. Let's start with Paul. This one's a little bit tougher. Yeah. But I think if Middlestat just actually played good hockey, maybe I would take the Buffalo one. But I'm kind of intrigued by this Edmonton one. For that reason of that unprotected first, you never know. And I do like Bouchard. I think he's going to be real good. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Edmonton. It is close, though. You had me in the first half. I thought you were going to pick that Buffalo one. All right. Uh, Keith. Keith. I got to go the Buffalo one. Largely just the Jack Quinn factor. Like if I can get Jack Quinn's first few years in the league playing on the wing of Crosby or Malkin, two of the best centers of this generation, I think that's invaluable. I think that helps Quinn become an established NHLer. I'm definitely putting my money on that horse. Love the uh, difference in picks, Steve. I am going with the Edmonton one for two reasons. One Pittsburgh's defense isn't, great and Latang is getting older so you do need somebody that can come up and that's going to be good in there uh and second it's an Edmonton first round pick unprotected that could be the first overall pick yeah with enough luck and they certainly have plenty of it 
All right, guys, on to the last one. I've had you in the new GM role selling this entire time, but it's time to go for it. You got Sid, you got Malkin, you got a shot. Let's see which one you'd prefer. Keith, you will start. You can either pick up Duncan Keith from Chicago for a 2022 first-round pick and a 2021 third-round pick. The first-round pick is lottery-protected, not top-ten protected. Or you can pick up Ryan Ellis and Michael Granlund from Nashville in exchange for the same 2022 first-round pick, top three protected, not top ten protected, a 2022 second-round pick, and defenseman John Marino. Oh, give me that Nashville trade. I don't have to think too much about this one. I, I don't think Duncan Keith has it anymore. I think that Ryan Ellis is what this decor needs. As Steve said, they're not where they used to be, but adding Ryan Ellis here, I think that's what puts Pittsburgh back into contention. Top defensive pair of Ellis and Latang. So can Steve, I assume you're taking the Nashville oh, one as well? Easily. Um, Duncan Keith, maybe like six years ago, would have been worth that first. I don't think he's worth that first now. And so Paul. definitely, definitely Nashville. Paul, you're rounding us out with a with a sweep, or are you taking the form? What was there a second pick in the first deal with Keith, or was it just the first? First and a third. And a third? Yeah. I wasn't gonna pick it anyways, but that just makes it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, I gotta go with the Nashville one. John Marino's a really good promising um, young defenseman, but like you said, you're getting Ryan Ellis. Oh, I'll be honest. That's I thought a the nasty John... top pair. I thought the John Marino aspect would have dissuaded you guys from taking that, but maybe I'm just a bad trade maker. You get a better player back. Brilliant GMs. Who knows? Unfortunately, we will never know. Not in this universe at the very least because you guys aren't the GMs, but it was fun pretending you guys were. And with that, we'll move on to the staple of the podcast, the trivia. And this week we have a wildly complicated trivia, which hopefully should be at least fun, um, if at the very least confusing. (laughs) It's called Sounds Like. So the point of the game is you guys need to guess the player that I have. Similar to the 20 questions, except you guys are competing. You are not playing alongside one another. You will get many clues along the way as to who the player will be, the most notable being the name of the category. So, for instance, if I said sounds like food, you know that either the player's first name or last name, well, it sounds like food, guys. After we have picked a category and which player, because you get the option of blind picking uh, a player in that category, there will be a betting process. Now, how the betting works is there are 12 tiers to clues that you would get. Each clue is associated with a tier. For instance, if you get up or if you get five hints, you get whether they've won a Stanley Cup, what draft position, the amount of letters in the last name, the draft year, and their hometown. The more clues you get, obviously the clues get easier and help you decipher who it is. But you guys, again, will be betting against each other. So, for instance, if once you know Uh, what category it is and Keith starts and he bets 12 he wants all 12 hints Steve has the opportunity to bet less than Keith then Paul has the opportunity to bet less and once people have stopped betting less 
the person who is closest to zero, which at zero, you don't get any hints and you can just guess who it is. Whoever's closest to zero will get bet first or get to guess first and they will get their hints and then so on and so forth. It will be easier as we go on. Hopefully people aren't too confused and at least just don't click off the podcast. <laughs> Give it a shot. Are you guys at all ready? Sure. Never. All righty. Uh, who would like to... Uh, uh, let's go, Paul. Pick a number between oh. one and three. Two. Okay, you're going first. Oh, damn. Can I say there was this no is the one time I don't want to go first. Yeah, I know. When you said no, I knew in my head, no matter what number you were picking, you were going first. Wow. Okay. So, guys, sounds like a beer brand. Ooh. Sounds like a beer brand. Paul, you want to start the bidding off at 12? Oh, that's a safe bet. All right. Ha. Get it. Um. Let's go. Uh, I think Keith is the best at all this. So, Steve? Uh, I want to go zero. I oh, want to go my. zero as well. Oh. Oh. Yeah, um, I, got, I think I got it. Okay. So, Paul, you get 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, just so you guys know, uh, the player doesn't have to be active. Right. They can be. They are like they all like. There's plenty of active players. There's plenty of inactive players. But okay, zero. Um. Well, I guess Steve, you were technically going first. Matt Molson. But... Yeah. Um, Keith. Well, I was gonna say Molson, but since Steve took him, I'll split the bet and go Duncan Keith. Well, okay, and now I feel bad. Ooh, um, that's a good one too. Because, uh, we like we didn't pick the player so i was just gonna go with the first player the first player is duncan keith Woo! Wow. i will say though you guys have got both beer brands so now i don't have to do a second one of that okay wow okay so I, so for instance let's say um you guys hadn't bet zero and you had bet like four i would have given you because it was duncan keith number one yes he's won a stanley cup he was drafted in the second round, 54th overall, his last name has five letters, and he was drafted in 2002. He's from Winnipeg, Manitoba, like the person who got that question right. All right. So that was a good good starter. Now it's going to get a little harder, okay? Let's do it. Steve, you're up to bet first. I will remember to ask which player you'd like to take. Sounds like a job. Would you like player A or player B? Oh, I didn't realize we had that was that was the part of it. Um, I'll go with player B. Sounds good. Steve, would you like to start the betting at 12? No, I'll go five. Five. Whoa. Keith, would you like to go less than five? Can I match five? You can't, but if Steve we'll go four. Okay. Paul, you don't have to bet four or five. Uh, you can frankly, like if you want, you could just go 12 in case they lose, type of thing. But you will be you will be going last then. I have no confidence in myself, so I'm going twelve. All right, Steve, would you like to go three? Mm, yeah. Keith, would you like to go I two? Stick at four. All right, Steve, you are going first. You get the three clues. Did they win a Stanley Cup? No. What was their draft position? First round, seventh overall. How many letters are in their last name? Five. Oh. Sounds that's, like a job. That's all you get, Steve. I regret this. I regret this very much. Um, Five letters. 
I am going to need an answer from you in the near future, preferably near as opposed to future. I'm thinking and I'm coming up blank. Um, if you're ready to throw in the towel, we can move on. Yeah. All right. An overzealous better. Will Keith have bet enough? Keith, they have, did not win a Stanley Cup. First round, seventh overall. Five letters in the last name and drafted in 2013. Ooh, the Nathan McKinnon year. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 it's our boy for Aaron. It is Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse oh. is correct. Sorry, Paul. You'll... I actually I actually thought of that once you said 2013 too. Nothing All right. that matters. Now we can move on to <laughs> we can move on to a different category or we can uh, do the second sounds like a job. It's up to you guys. I'm down for different. Actually, yeah, okay. So Keith, since you're betting first anyway, we will go with sounds like a tech company. Would you like player A or player B? Let's go A. All right. Would you like to start the bidding off at 12, Keith? I'll make it a bit more interesting. Let's go 10. 10. Paul, would you like to go less than 10? I'll go 9. Steve? I'll go 8. Keith? Let's go 5. 5. Paul, would you like to go less than 5? No. Okay. I'll stick. So we got Keith at 5, Steve at 8. And Paul at nine. Yep. All right. And it sounds like a tech company. Sounds like a tech company. So, Keith. Yes, they've won a Stanley Cup. <clears throat> they were drafted in the third round, 95th overall. They have five letters in their last name, and they're from, or oops, they were drafted in 2001, and they're from your hometown, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Oh. How do I not know any Winnipeg-born players? Uh, 2001, I think that was the Spezza year. Man, I am coming up with very little on this. Um, so won a cup. They won a cup. They're drafted in the third, third round. round 95th overall in 2001. They have five letters in the last name, and they sound like a tech company. I'm just going to – I I don't know the answer to this. Is there a player named Apple? There's Mason Appleton, but that's not it. All right, Steve. Mason, Mason Appleton famously drafted in 2001. All right. Place for Atlanta, Steven, yes, they won a cup. Third round, 95th overall. Five letters in their last name. Drafted in 2001 from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers from the University of Vermont, and they play left wing. I'll repeat the last couple because I think I've repeated the first ones before. This Winnipeg native drafted in 2001 was uh, drafted by Philly from the University of Vermont and is a left winger. I've got nothing. I'm trying to think of like tech companies and I can only think of like the big like three. All righty. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to take that as your answer. Yeah. Paul, you ready? I got them all written down, so you can just give me the last one. For the viewers at home, 
Okay. Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> third third round, 95th overall. Five letters in their last name. Drafted in 2001 from Winnipeg. Drafted by Philly from the University of Vermont. Left winger, not active. Oh, I think I've got a guess. Sorry, continue. I feel like because it's a Philly pick, I should know this, but not active. If you had gone at 10, you would have gotten their most recent team as well. Darn. Paul, have we got, I got a, a bow up? Yeah, I got a bow up. All right. Just for fun, because nobody got it. Most recent team, the Chicago Blackhawks. All teams yeah. played for Philadelphia, Chicago, and Dallas. Their initials are PS. Patrick Sharp. Patrick Sharp oh. was the answer. He was drafted by Philly? Yep. Never All right, guys. That. We got one more. Um, unless you guys wanted to do the second tech one. We can just save it, actually. Paul, we're back to you. Sounds like Boy. a country. Would you like to go player A or player B? A. All right. Start the bidding, Paul. 12. Okay. Steve? Uh, Nine. Keith. Uh, let's go six. Paul. Five. Steve. Do I have to go lower than five? Uh, if you, you, you can't go like, you. No, reverse. Yes, you'd have to go less than five, <laughs> or stick at your nine right now. I'll stick at nine. Keith. I'll stay with six. No. <laughs> I was really hoping someone else would. All right. Paul gets five clues. Keith, six. Steve, nine. All right, Paul. This player, who sounds like a country, did not win a Stanley Cup, was drafted in the first round, fourth overall. Their last name has six letters. They were drafted in 1993, and they're from Vancouver. Again, no cup, fourth overall, six letters in their last name, 1993 drafted from Vancouver. We're going to need some sort of answer or at the very least talking so there's content. When you say Vancouver, like he's born in Vancouver, right? That's his hometown, yeah. Yeah, okay. Not that it matters. I don't have a name, so just there's your content. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. <laughs> we, we should just play in the absence one of your, like one of the sound bites. I love it. I, I love, I love, love, love it. All right, Keith, you're up. Again, no cup, fourth overall, six letters in their last name, drafted 1993 from Vancouver, drafted to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I had a suspicion, and that just confirmed it. He is the namesake of my fantasy hockey team. It is Paul Correa. Paul Correa is correct. All right. Well done. All right. Yeah, cool. Hopefully that was fun for the listeners. I doubt it, but <laughs> I, I at the very least had fun. But that wraps our episode for today, guys. Um, would you guys like to say anything before we take off? Um, I would like to say uh, I feel cheated by that trivia. And also... All right. He is muted now, so we don't have to worry about whatever gripes he had. <laughs> Thank you Stay so safe much. and oh, wash Keith's hands. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Catch us on Tuesdays and whatever articles we sometimes post. All right, take care. Be sure to check us out at getofftheice.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getofftheice.